everyone, and welcome to The Art of Podcasting, episode 15, Podcast Syndication, recorded May 27th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementopie.com. Today, we're going to talk about getting your stuff to the people who want to listen to your stuff. We've talked about recording, we've talked about editing, now we're going to talk about distribution a little bit. But before we do that, let me say hello to the people who are going to talk about your stuff tonight, beginning with Mr. Steve Cherubino of howtopodcast.biz. Hiya, Steve. What's going on, Mark? Hello, James, even though you didn't introduce him yet. Hello, James. Yeah, they Let don't know James is here. It's He's a, it's a, it's a man of mystery. And I always you. ruin the surprise every show. That's right. And also with us this week is Mr. James, the Professor Messer, also known as the Man in Black. Hiya, James. Not wearing black. There's none of that. You know, I think half of the fun of the podcast happens before we even have a podcast. Did This night, tonight was perhaps not exactly the right <laughs> circumstance for that exact saying, but uh, there is something that goes on prior to this. Even if it's just listening to you go through the first or second or third take before we actually start the podcast. I like that. <laughs> we did uh on the episode this week of the periodic table uh i had to do that intro about seven times because we if we was at the end of the show at that show we do the intro at the end uh, uh after we've done it and we all had the giggles and we just couldn't get through it without somebody cracking up laughing and uh, kept having to do it over and over and over and that that's fun right. stuff that the listeners will never know so for those of you who are not listening to this live, you really should tune in Sunday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern time for all the fun. Yeah, th this week, not so much. We were talking about how much I don't like carrots and how Steve doesn't like to be called bro. So uh, not not we, scintillating listening. Good times. You were, count, you were counting your taste buds, though. That's pretty fun. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Yes. <laughs> it's not too uh, late. Uh, uh, okay. Uh. Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend. Uh, you guys are a scant 53 minutes away from Memorial Day there on the East Coast. Uh, so I just want to give a shout out to anybody who has served or is serving in the armed force of your country. Uh, thank you for what you do. Even, even if your country is fighting with my country, that's all right. I appreciate what you do for your country. <laughs> this is well decidedly an American, uh, holiday though, is it not? I guess, uh, in the in the UK, it's a different time of the year. It's it's Armistice Day, I guess. Right. Do they have a a Memorial Day on top of that? Uh, they have something similar, but it's not at the same time. Okay. Uh, our Canadian friends also have uh, again a similar sort of thing, but not at the same time. So yeah, but I don't want to to exclude anybody else. Military service is a big deal and uh, should be treated like a big deal. And certainly on Memorial Day, we're here in the U.S. We honor those who have fallen, uh, and there is. Um, there is no, no bigger sacrifice you can make than giving your life uh, for that which you believe in. So we honor those who have done that. If you've been affected by that, your family, somebody close to you, uh, we appreciate your sacrifice as well. We do indeed. Yep. And also, Memorial Day is the first sort of unofficial day of summer. And generally it uh, uh, involves cooking out. And so you guys, guys know me by now. I am. I have a, a large chunk of meat in the smoker at this very moment. My wife doesn't even ask me anymore. She just brought home 25 pounds of meat and said, oh, by the way, I invited two families over for Monday. 
So uh, that's just the way things roll at a, at a Texas barbecue household. So I've got uh, a brisket. I've got two racks of ribs. I got dry rub. I got barbecue sauce. I'm smoking. I'm a smoking man. I smell like mesquite at this very moment. I'm going to have to play that by ear this year, I think. Yes. Yes. If you're not watching the video, uh, I will explain that uh, we are looking at a large tropical storm bearing down on James. Literally, it's it's swirling around him at this very moment. Heading this um, way. So, yeah, he might not get, he might have some soggy burgers if he plans something for tomorrow. It is uh, chili dogs is tomorrow. All right. Hey, you were going to say something, Steve? I just said, why do you have to do that before every episode? Get us all hungry like that. I don't do it every episode. Just a lot of them. When, well, whenever you talk about, you know, cooking the way you, you seem to do, I get very hungry and I want to go out and get some barbecue. Well, they say never trust a skinny chef. I am not a skinny <laughs> chef. <laughs> I enjoy cooking and I enjoy eating. Uh, but particularly the, uh, the southern art of slow smoked meats over hardwoods. Just can't beat it. Sounds good. So, Steve, what's going on in your life? Well, I want to say that uh, I was—I've been really liking my Studio One program from Personas. I've been using it a lot lately for just for music and podcasting. And the more I use it, the more I like it. Um, and just you know, cruising around on the website and looking in the forums and stuff, I found—I didn't—I can't believe I didn't know this. Um, I think I did a couple months ago, but forgot about it or dismissed it. Studio One has a free version. It's called Studio One Free. And if anybody's interested in trying out that software, grab the free version and use it. Uh, it's it's perfectly fine for podcasting. You don't get a couple of the plugins you get in the other versions, um, but for the most part, it's a great way to test the program and, uh, and you get to use it forever if you want. It it is limited. I mean, if you're going to keep podcasting, you're going to want to put more effects and different things that you can't do with the free version. But uh, I'd say give it a shot. Uh, I love 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 the software. So. I'm a big fan. Plus, they're, they're, so what can the full, it? What can it not do that the full version can do? It doesn't have some plugins the full version has, and you cannot put third-party plugins like, for example, like a noise gate or a limiter. These things that I use and actually when I actually use in my podcast production, you don't get them with that program, and you can't install a third-party version of it. So you're kind of you just don't have it. But I think a lot of guys starting out wouldn't be using that stuff anyway. Um, so it's other than that, there's not too much different than the main program. As far as for podcasting, any, otherwise, anyway, it wouldn't actually make a difference what the features are. The main thing you're going to miss are those plugins. That's pretty much it. So it's the classic freemium model. You get the taste of it, and then you realize you can't live without it, and then you got to go pay for it. Yeah, and it also has a free 30-day trial for the full version if you want to do that. But I don't know about you, but those 30 days always just end way sooner than expected for me. So at least you got a free version to putz around with for as long as you want. Generally, I uh, install it, then get distracted and come back to it 31 days later. Exactly, me too. <laughs> that's exactly what I do. In fact, that's what happened. Reaper uh, has that, and I put it in there, and it says... Uh, you've had this installed for like 119 days, total use time, six minutes. <laughs> yeah, but with Reaper, you could just, you could let it time out and keep using it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They let you continue to evaluate it if you want. All right. Anything else? 
Well, I've, I'm taking this this moment. I, I've I've been uh, recording all weekend. I kind of like these three day weekends um, because you get so much more time to sit back and do things. And I like to take that extra day and do something functional with it. So it, it, the people who are watching live can kind of see behind me that I've lined up all my hard drives that I use for backups. I'm organizing things, deleting some old things. I found some nice programs that can compare two directories and synchronize them or tell you what's different between them in just a matter of seconds. So I'll know, do I have really have a good backup on these different systems? So it's an organizational type day as we go into the summer. Cool. You guys familiar with BitCasa at all? Yeah. Bit, no. BitCasa? No. It's, a, it's, a, it's still, out there. I think it's still invitation only. Uh, but it's uh, it's one of those cloud syncing services like Dropbox or whatever. I was on the, one of the early beta, like the first day it was available, I got in there. And this was in, uh, I want to say, late January, early February. So okay. it's, it's been a while. Today, my upload finished. It's been running 24-7 since that day. And it just finished. It was a 73 gig ups upload. Wow. So uh, clearly. Wait, how long? How long? Uh, from like February. It's been more than three months. <laughs> Damn. Well, that's good because what we need is another cloud-based backup system. Yes. Uh, the, what makes BitCasa unique is that there yes. are no limits. It is entirely oh. um, uh, infinite, they say. Uh, I get you. But, and, but, you know, I know people who've used it and who've uploaded hundreds of gigs with no troubles. Um, but, and you can't blame my network here because I've taken my, my computer to other places and it didn't change anything. There's just something about my laptop or, or what, I don't know what it is, but it took three, it, it took over three months to upload 73 gigs of BitCasa. So not, not a huge win for BitCasa for me. Is it BitCasa or is it your crappy connection? Well, like I said, I've taken my laptop to other networks. I take it to uh, work with me every day where we have a hundred meg pipe. I've taken wow. it to hotels. I've taken it in. Yeah, it doesn't seem yeah, to matter. That's, that's too long. Yeah. But how how much is, does it cost again? Uh, I'm free. I, I'm one uh, of the beta users. I don't know what their plans are right now. Uh, James, does it say on their website? I see you have that up there. I'm just poking around. No, that doesn't say very much about it at all. I, I'm most interested, of course, in knowing more about how they store the data. Is it encrypted? Do I have the key? Do they have the key? You know, I'm it's uh, it's guy. it's pre uh, internet encryption. It's encrypted on your machine and and only sent up to the cloud after it's encrypted. They don't have the keys. They don't have the passwords. Uh, I, I I thought, well, let me go see who's running this deal. And they do have a nice page that says, "Here's all about us," and they have the first names for everybody and no last names. And I'm wondering, <laughs> oh, what? There's Tony and Kevin. They're like, I I need more information, fellas. You're gonna have to come clean. Well, I didn't give him anything I cared about, but oh, it was go. just, uh, it was, it was like podcast stuff, stuff that's public anyway. Um, and I already have all that stuff on Dropbox and Pogo Plug. I've got it everywhere. So I, it wasn't a big deal to me. I just thought I'd let it go. And after like a week or two, it, it just became a, a, a curiosity. How long is this going to take? How long will right. this go? I kept a little document that listed uh, my progress uh, every day or every week. And it would slowly, slowly inch along, you know, 1% uh, per week or less at a time. Uh, and then it would really zoom ahead one day to, you know, it, it'd have a big red letter day and I'd get 2% that day. Uh, so, but it finally finished. 
it's not a bad idea for archiving podcasts. Mine are really big because they're videos. They're like 10 gig files for 10 minutes worth of stuff, which is why all the hard drives are lined up and I take hard drives off site. So right. for me, not quite as, as appealing, but uh, I absolutely uh, could see taking some of my, especially the audio pieces and maybe some of the final compressed videos and keeping them on a service like that. Yeah. And especially since they don't limit your band, your storage at all. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it has worked for other people. I'm just in the the dead zone of tech where dead nothing zone. works. I'm in the Bermuda Triangle of electrons where they go to die. Okay. So it's kind of uh, germane uh, or maybe Latoya or Michael. Uh, ah. Yeah. So I used that joke earlier ah. this week. I've used it twice in one week. I, I got to stop. Uh, but it's kind of germane to this conversation. Where we're talking about storage, where to put stuff. Um, is uh, We're talking this week about where to uh, put your stuff, your syndication. Uh, and I know, uh, James, we've talked about uh, this a little bit before. Uh, Steve, I don't think you were uh, here the day that we talked about that. But, uh, uh, sure, rub let, it in. Mark. Let's just, well, you know, uh, <laughs> at least you, yeah, anyway. Uh, I was at Walmart. I was probably at Walmart. You were at Walmart buying something at 1030 in the morning. Uh, or no, 1030 at night. Uh, 1030 morning would be normal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I've cracked myself up. Uh, the The issue with where to put your stuff is not so much um, do you have room for it, but do you have bandwidth, and do they have the bandwidth to serve it? So you might say, okay, I'm just going to put my files like on a computer in my bedroom and, and set up my own, I'm sorry, I accidentally unplugged myself, and set up my own uh, web server there, and let people access it there. And I'll just feed it over my uh, two gigabit, uh, two megabit upload from my cable company. Um, no, not so much. Uh, let's say you have a very popular show and you're getting, you know, 10,000 downloads a week. Uh, you need to be able to, to handle, you know, how many hours are there in a week? Uh, 700 or something. I'm not, I don't remember the math on that. But uh, so if you got 10,000 listeners and, and they're all downloading, a whole bunch of them are downloading something at the same time, certainly right after release date. So you've got to have it on a server that can handle that. And, and sometimes, you know, your little shared host server may be able to do it or maybe not. But there are whole companies that are, uh, that's their entire business model is setting up these content delivery networks just for podcasters. So uh, I just thought we'd run down those a little bit, uh, what uh, what we do and why and what the merits are. So, uh, uh, James, I'll just start with you. What is it that you do for your really freaking large video files? Where do you put them and, and why? Oh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a myriad of different solutions, and it depends on what I'm doing. Because I have some video files that are my free training files. Those are the ones that... Um, two weeks ago, we surpassed 7 million videos viewed. So you can imagine that's a lot of bandwidth that's being used somewhere. Um, fortunately, or maybe not so fortunately, uh, my podcast, my video podcast that I do every week, What a Week, um, is one that is not viewed so much, and I host it in a different place. So uh, there's different things you can do with it. Now, one of the things you mentioned right off is hosting it yourself. And um, not really a great idea, very difficult to migrate later on, hard to manage, and you will probably want to check the, the user requirements or your end user license agreement from your provider, whoever it is, because practically every provider forbids you to host your own server. 
Um, so they allow it, but if they catch you doing it, they could turn it off. So there's there's a number of services out there that that can provide you with a lot more flexibility. The one that I've been using for years and years and years is, is Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N, Liberated Syndication. You can find that at, at Libsyn.com. That is one, they make it so easy to put your data somewhere and be able to do something with it. Um, and, and they kind of work the whole podcast thing. So if you know nothing about web pages, you know nothing about RSS, they have a nice front end where you type in what the podcast is and they take care of the rest. Now, you're not going to get a lot of advanced type functionalities. And we'll talk more about some of the more advanced things you can do with an RSS feed, but it's easy to set up. It's very inexpensive, $5 a month to get up and running. And their their model is one where you upload a bunch of information and have it on their server and you pay for the upload. So if you're if you put a 50 meg file, 50 mega 50 megabyte file there and a million people download it, you're only paying for the upload of the 50 megabyte file. I don't know how they do this. I don't know how how they make money off that gig, but they do. Um I I have to buy a much larger package so I can put my video, my what a week podcast on there as well cuz every week I'm putting up about 200 megabytes, 300 megabytes. So in a month I'm doing 246, 800 megabytes of upload. And in their world, that's hitting about the maximum of what they're accustomed to because a lot of what they do is audio. But that's a great service. Um, the other things that I do with the free training, I use YouTube. Now, obviously, with YouTube, there's no RSS. You don't have that iTunes available feed that you can create. But it was just a situation where I couldn't afford to have 7 million downloads. I had to put this somewhere in, in YouTube. Uh, is able to afford it because they're Google. They got deep pockets. So James, you use YouTube for not for your podcast. You use not for my podcast. Professor Messer stuff. Yep, Professor okay. Messer and all the the training videos go there because those aren't those aren't podcasts. They're not RSS feed type things. I guess they right. could be, but then I'd have to find somewhere to put these videos that an RSS feed could download directly. And obviously yeah, that, with YouTube, you can't money. do that. That's a that's a lot of money. And uh, Libsyn has added to their uh, package just recently that they now have, you get an, uh, an iPhone app or a, an Android, a mobile app with your with your thing. You don't have to get that, but uh, uh, that's that's one of the options that they have there, which is kind of handy. I should really do that. That would be kind of nifty. I act, My Podnuts app on, on the iPhone anyway is Wizard Media, which is Libsyn. So it's probably the same thing as that. Nice. All right, so I was looking at the Libsyn pricing thing, and their uh, what do they call it? The Classic Two Hundred and Fifty offers two hundred and fifty megs a month for fifteen dollars a month. Uh, now that would be, let's say, uh, to make the math easy, uh, your shows are twenty five megs each. You could upload ten a month uh, for that price. That wouldn't work for me necessarily because I tend to have larger files and longer shows. Uh, but uh, it's you know the prices aren't bad. Uh, for what they do at all. No, and I'm I'm only spending $40 a month for the Libsyn 800. And uh, even if I had to upgrade and get another extra 200 meg, well, it's another $50 a month. I would have to probably just go on up to the the 1500 a month if it got bigger. But it but it has an effect, of course, because I try to have I have to keep my podcast about 30 minutes long. And I do that 
one, because I don't want people to get bored. And secondly, I don't have a lot of bandwidth available for uploading that. And you have to keep that in mind. This right. may not be a long-term solution for me, but it works for me now. And uploads are always the part that your ISP chokes off anyway. So certainly yeah, if you're doing video. And certainly that that's what Libsyn counts. That's that is that 800. That is the the number that you're paying for on that list. So that's the one that is most important for me when I'm uploading these videos or I have to make the videos longer and maybe not do one a week. Maybe I do one every other week. That that's not the decision I want to have to make as a podcaster. I want to make the content and then fit the content. I don't want the tail wagging the dog. Right. Uh, and the, the, the other option, what I do is I have my, uh, my host, elementop.com, is on a, a dedicated host. It's not a shared host. I pay a little extra to have the dedicated host. And I put all my files there. And they promised me unlimited uh, storage and unlimited bandwidth. Uh, and so far, they've been able to deliver that. But I understand that I'm living dangerously there. Uh, you know, if I hit one of those, you know, uh, one of our shows for some reason makes the front page of Dig, and I get uh, uh, hundreds of thousands to, to millions of downloads in a day, they're going to come crashing down. Then they're going to come to me and want a fat check. I recognize that that's what's going to happen at some point. Uh, but I'm, you know, they I'm just... They won't want a check. They'll just, they'll they'll just, just shut it me. down. Yeah. Uh, it just it sort of depends. Now, in the terms of agreement uh, of my company, what they say is specifically uh, they will not cut you off. It's in the it's in the writings that if your uh, usage starts uh, impacting other customers, they will take QoS measurements. So they might slow me down. Uh, but it says that they won't take me offline. I looked carefully for that uh, when I was doing that so that I know that I, I won't be taken offline at least. I may be throttled uh, and, and, you know, and that may have to be until we get through the rush, uh, but they, uh, they won't shut me down. And, and that's, I think, a, a pretty important cause to have in the terms of service. One of the things I've also been considering um, for, for some other reasons, but I wonder how it would apply to doing podcasting is Amazon's web service, which is an incredibly resilient cloud-based service. And their prices are really, really inexpensive for what you are doing and the amount of storage. And they have a free tier on their S3 cloud service that allows you to uh, get five gig, put it up on the screen as well. You get five gig of uh, storage, 20,000 Git requests, 2,000 put requests, and 15 gig of data transfer out each month for a year. Um, so uh, I see a lot of cloud services now becoming more of an option and things you can do, and that may be a good one to try as well. And it, it's going to involve a little extra work because it's not just a simple stick an RSS file out there via an FTP upload. This one's a little bit more detailed, but maybe you have other things like me. I have these other files that I'd like to make available uh, when people buy my courses. They could download gigabytes and gigabytes of the videos right off my server if they'd like. I'm going to be moving to this eventually. Be nice to leverage that for podcasts too. Uh, Steve, do you have any comment on, on any of that? I know, I think I know that you you do the same thing I do. You host yours on your on your provider side, right? Yeah, and um, that's what I recommend for anyone starting out. Use the shared hosting until you reach the limit. <laughs> I mean, because it's so cheap. I, see, I, I didn't want I didn't want to pay Libsyn. I didn't want to pay for like a. If you're not on shared hosting, you have to get a dedicated server at your web hosting company, and that's just it's. It's night and day expensive going from shared hosting. Oh, wait. Are we still on, Mark? Yeah, we're still here. Okay. Um, 
was going from shared hosting to a dedicated uh, server. The, the price is crazy different. So until you need that, get like a cheap, <laughs> I say get a cheap quote unlimited plan. They all say unlimited, like you said, but they're really not. I'm, I've been on the HostGator business plan, which is 15 bucks a month forever with PodNuts. They never shut me down. In fact, I've had my laptop repair videos on a HostGator plan like that, and they are gigabytes of video. And that has been shut down, but you'd be amazed how many gigabytes they will accept of, of like bandwidth before they actually shut you down. I mean, it, it got to crazy numbers, and they finally said, look, we, they're slowing down the server. But I would have thought it would have shut down way before it actually did. So you're pretty much good, if you're, especially if you're doing an audio podcast. I recommend doing the shared, a cheap shared plan. I use HostGator. They're great. HostGator is getting bigger now. It's a little harder to get customer service when you call. I used to be able to just call and get somebody in a minute. It's a little takes a little longer now, but they're still really good. And, and the, the the shared hosting, the, there's a million companies that do it, and and they're all. I agree with Steve. They're a good place to start, uh, but you have to understand that they are limited, and that you will bump up against those limits sooner or later. And especially if you're like James, you're doing video, you're going to hit yeah. those limits a lot sooner. That's one of the reasons I didn't do video yet. And I, I've, tr I've thought about it. I tried. I looked at prices. I tried to put something together. And I, I just kind of didn't want to do it right now because it looked like it would be too much. And that's why, James, is, it's great to put stuff on YouTube. It, it, it makes you think differently about how you're going to manage all of this data because it's such a, a big difference between just audio only. The, the way I actually do video is I record. I used to record up to Justin.tv and then upload to YouTube. None of that is on my servers for video. I, I keep the audio on my servers, but for video, nothing's on my servers. It's free, totally free. And now Google has Hangouts for Live, whatever they call it, where you, you just join a Google Hangout and you could stream live on YouTube. And I really think that this is where a lot of podcasters are going to go or, or start with. And that's a huge option to, to start off with, I think. I just did that for the first time tonight on the uh, Linux podcast, and it, it, I think it worked pretty well. I haven't had a chance to go back and listen to it. I've got my uh, host provider stats pulled up right now. Uh, it's the 27th of May, so we're almost toward the end of the month. I've used 340 gigabit, uh, gigabytes of bandwidth uh, this month, and they're totally okay with that. Right. Right. That's a lot. It's, I've, I, I go through on my laptop repair videos gigs and gigs and gigs a day. And they only when it gets out of hand from, I think, because somebody got into my site and just downloaded like crazy, like hacked in, that's when they have shut me down. But shared hosting will take you a long way. Now, uh, that brings us to the point now, now that you've decided where you're going to put it how are you going to point people to it and i often say that this is the single most critical aspect of having a podcast and that is your rss url the rss feed you've got to make sure you get that right because it's it's almost impossible to change it after the fact uh, because you've have all your existing uh, listeners have that url and you got to find some way to tell them to get to the new url and it's just it's a big deal uh so if you use something like libsyn or or your own site or whatever um make sure that you control the rss feed you can control where it points to later on you can change that but make sure that you have control the rss feed itself 
and uh, I'll, I'll go last and talk about how I set up my RSS feed. Uh, Steve, tell us how you do it on your site. Well, my site is built with Drupal, which is a content management system similar to WordPress, but it's great. Drupal is great for mul if you have multiple shows on one site. So each Drupal actually sets up on its own RSS feeds for each show. You have to do very little customization to uh, get, get it to do that. So I have like, you know, podnuts.com slash, let's just say AAA for Android App Addict. So it's podnuts.com slash AAA slash feed or something like that. That's my RSS feed. Um, it's very bare bones, that RSS feed. And that's why I actually use a service called FeedBurner, which is, Mark probably won't like this, but um, I use a service called FeedBurner, which actually takes your feed, validates it, and puts a lot of little customizations on it that um, I don't know, I, I wouldn't know how to do manually. And it also tracks uh, downloads and subscribers and stuff. I, I'm, I'm interested to Steve why you would say that I won't like it. Uh, <laughs> why, why, why would you think that would be disdain for me for, for FeedBurner? Because what happens when you use FeedBurner is you lose control of your feed. My, like my feed is now not podnuts.com slash AA slash feed. It's um, what is it? feeds.feedburner.com slash no no it's like it's like pod aaa slash feed oh, let me see aaa.feedburner.com or something like that or right. feeds.feedburner.com slash aaa so if feedburner goes down everybody has the feedburner url for my rss feed if they go down then nobody will get to hear my show so you sacrifice control of of your actual feed that where it points but in return, you get all kinds of like uh, easy organization. They uh, they can monetize your feed with like ads. They could put little um, you know tweet this, dig this, all the social networking stuff. You could put pictures in. You could, you could just really customize your feed and dress it up. And uh, you don't you don't get that with a standard Drupal feed. But hey, a feed's a feed. You just need to get it to get to your show. So it doesn't have to be all nice and pretty and dressed up. But yeah. I, I just use them FeedBurner from the start, and so I just use it from now on, since then. Uh, FeedBurner is huge. In fact, you know, it's so popular that uh, Google bought it. That you know, in their round of acquisitions a while back, uh, and and I don't worry as, as Steve, like you were saying about it going down. Um, they're less likely to go down than your shared host is in most cases, so that doesn't bother me. But yeah, I don't like giving the URL of that service out. So what I would do, I don't use FeedBurner, but if I did, I would have a redirect on my own server that pointed to them so that the the address that I gave people is elementopi.com slash uh, art of podcasting. That would then from my own server afford you to elementopi.com slash FeedBurner or whatever. Uh, and that way you get both the, the, the benefits of it. One of the other things I don't like about FeedBurner is because it's so fancy, some systems have a hard time subscribing to it. Uh, some, uh, like standalone phone apps, things like that, will get confused by FeedBurner. And actually, you'll have to go in, instead of uh, being able to search for it or, or do the easy thing, you'll have to manually type in everything because there's so much other stuff. That's been my experience. One of the things that I like about FeedBurner, well, first, let me talk about the, um, I agree with Steve, it's not really a great idea to have your feed pointed to something that you don't have any control over should it disappear. Let's say tomorrow Google decides, you know, this feed burner thing was a horrible idea. It's going away. You're going to have to do a lot of work now 
to, to redirect all of those RSS feeds. But there is a nice tutorial on FeedBurner that tells you how to set up your own DNS for, on my particular case, on my servers, it's feeds.professormesser.com. And they give you the redirect that you can put in for the IP address that takes you to the proper location on FeedBurner for that particular feed. And I highly recommend that it, it, that people do that if you're going to use FeedBurner, if only so you can control that. That way tomorrow, I could easily redirect that in my DNS to point to wherever the next one might be. The next FeedBurner goes away, I can send it somewhere else. Um, to do that piece. Um, but one of the nice features I like about FeedBurner, not only the RSS piece, on my website, I can have people subscribe to my RSS feed or subscribe to my website. And I have FeedBurner monitor the RSS feed from my webpage. This is not the podcast, but it could be. Uh, but monitor my webpage. Anything I put on my webpage, they get a daily email with all the new things that happened on my webpage. I can do the same thing for my podcast RSS feed. Every time a new podcast is posted, they'll get an email that has the direct link so they can listen to the podcast. That's cool. And, and I will make a plea as a podcast consumer. Don't have a combined feed of your audio show and your website stuff. Offer that in two feeds. Um, now, I know I know a lot of people like to do that. They have one feed that is all their blog posts and all their podcasts. And, and if you're using something like WordPress, that's the default. Uh, and that so you get one feed to rule them all. And on my site, I have that. I have a ubiquitous feed, but it's a separate feed that you have to go get to on its own. It's on the left-hand side of the page. It says master feed, and that'll give you everything. And I use Yahoo Pipes to build that. Uh, but... As a podcast consumer, I hate when my little uh, uh, reader app uh, on podcasting app on my phone says there's a new uh, episode and I go look at it and it's some blog post that some guy wrote and it's not a show. I, I don't want that. If I wanted that, I would go subscribe to that. Uh, but, you know, that's a decision you have to make on your own. But for, for me as a consumer, I think it is a bad idea to combine your feeds. Give people a show feed and only a show feed and then give them other feeds for whatever whatever else they want. It's not a big deal for them to go on and, uh, you know, click multiple things and subscribe to multiple things uh, if they want it. I agree. Thank you for that commentary. That's awesome. You should have just stayed quiet. <laughs> yeah. Awkward silence. We already did that to him. No, I, I actually agree with you. It's, it definitely should be kept separate. And if you have an audio and video, keep them separate too. Yeah. And, and, and you know, let let people decide what they want on your show. Don't tell them what they want. That's an Apple thing to do. <laughs> it only works when they're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are any other comments on RSS feeds or did we cover that pretty well? They seem they might seem confusing to the newbie. So um that's why it's a good idea to use WordPress or Drupal, a site that actually creates RSS feeds for you because if you just try to make a site with standard HTML like static HTML, you're going to have to make a manual RSS feed and you're going to want to shoot yourself when you're done with that and it's a pain to, <laughs> yes. it's a pain to maintain. That's how I started out doing that for the first 5 shows and then I said never again. So, definitely use WordPress or a site that actually creates your feed for you. James, what do you use to create your feed? I use a program called Feeder because I'm on uh Mac OS 10. 
and the uh, feeder it makes it really really easy i used to do it all by hand i used to do it all in vi on my, wow. on my host um and i'd copy and paste and do it every week and just manually did it but what a pain uh feeder just makes it so easy there's a graphical front end uh, makes it very very simple for you to be able to go in and edit those because i i've even set my rss piece up even a step further i have the rss feeds are hosted on my um my server my my um dedicated server i point to them from feed burner so free feed burner of course keeps its own version i point feed burner to it and when i have people reference it in my rss feed i reference it through pod track which then tracks statistics and has other metrics available analytics available for people who are watching that which points back to the feed burner which ultimately got it from my rss feed we're going to bounce the signal off of the SATCOM 5 oh, yeah. satellite and down to Mr. Big's limo. It's almost too easy. I use, PodTrack, I use PodTrack 2. If you look at my yeah. feeds, if you, if you go there and click on them, you'll see a PodTrack link real quick. Yep. Now, the way I do it is I use a, an open source PHP tool that I install on my server called, a uh, very creative name, Podcast Generator. Uh, I'm, uh, that's all it does. It's a, uh, it generates podcasts. Um, and it has a little web player and a whole, uh, uh, web address thing. And I had to hack the code a little bit, but I'm a geek and that's what I do. Uh, I had to hack the, re the return links to get it to go to my website instead of the podcast generator site. Yeah, James has it up there. But it does it one thing and does it really well. It it creates podcasts. They're validated uh, feeds. They're uh, they fit right into iTunes perfectly seamlessly. You can even submit it with a click to iTunes, uh, and you can you can do all that. Uh, it's a lightweight sort of thing. And I've made some customizations to it to to make it uh, schedulable. And uh, when we talk about uh, my uh, rig, we'll we'll do that. But uh, it's a very simple little thing. I probably actually I don't recommend that unless you're a real gearhead. Uh, but if you are and if you want to tweak things and make them exactly like you want to do them without having to hand code everything in Vi, um, you know this is the next step up from that. It's certainly not as easy as the Drupal or WordPress plugins, uh, but it's not hand coding things on the server either. So uh, once it's all set up, once I did my uh, customizations, I, I go in, I, I write the blog post on Drupal first. And then I go into uh, the uh, podcast generator and I copy and paste from the blog post to the podcast generator. Uh, and then I upload the file and I click submit. And then I it even has a little uh, uh, flash-based player and download link. And then I embed that, have embedded that code back into the, my blog again. Uh, so I'm, I'm using it all from one place there. Uh, it sounds complicated, and it really is more complicated, but um, it's a lot easier than doing it by hand. And it has the ability to do multiple podcasts through a category feature. I've chosen not to do that. To do that. Every one of my podcasts is a different installation of that program because I like things simple so that if you don't, if I screw one up, I just mess up that one. I don't mess up everything. Gotcha. That's cool. I never saw that program. Uh, you know, and being the open source zealot that I am, I just typed into Google open source podcast uh, generator and, and that's what came up. And so that's the tool I've been using from the beginning. Is it ideal? No. Does it work? Absolutely. Cool. Nice. That's all that matters. Um, okay. So uh, storage. We talked a little bit about that. We talked about Libsyn and, and, and that sort of thing and your storage. But uh, one thing we haven't talked about is how do you decide 
how much to keep. You know, I know a lot of podcasts will will only put like the last five or six episodes in their feed. Um, uh, but I, you know, I don't do that. All of mine go all the way back, but I don't have 500 episodes either. You know, when I get up to the to the point where I have hundreds of them, I have to make that decision. So that's based, uh, you know, that's a decision based like uh, James was talking about. You're paying for the amount of storage you put up there. You're not going to keep a high-res copy of every show from the beginning of time uh, because you're not going to be able to afford that. So uh, any tips on how to decide what to put where and how long to keep it and how many things to put in your feed? Libsyn makes it easy, easier, of course, because once you upload it to Libsyn, it stays there forever. So you can put every episode that you've ever done and and store it there. Where you start to get into problems is after your first year that you've done this and you've put now 52 episodes up and now you're going to put another 52 episodes up, your RSS feed, the file itself is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And here's the challenge, of course, is that everybody who now is checking your RSS feed to see if anything's new, they can't just go in and check part of the feed to see what's new. They have to pull down the entire feed and see if anything's new. And as the feed gets bigger, they're having to pull down bigger files. So wherever you're storing your RSS feed, now more bandwidth is being used every single time somebody's going out. So it becomes unmanageable. Um, so generally, most people like to keep that a little bit smaller, but there's no, no reason you couldn't keep a smaller archive-only version of previous years somewhere else if you had to. Um, but I, I know that a lot of people keep a year's worth a podcast in there. I guess it's going to depend on how much bandwidth you have, where it's hosted. Um, if you keep your RSS feeds out on Amazon, where it's a content delivery network and it's distributed across multiple servers, maybe you keep every episode for uh, the the uh, for time eternal. But maybe if it's on your own local server, you have to make some decisions. Yeah, when we had Ryan on last week of the home recording show, he said that they have an archive. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it's a torrent that you can download. And so you they have, you have your X number of shows, and then they just add things to the archive as they drop off of that moving window. Yep. And they have 340-something shows, so that makes sense. I have all my shows on my site, and I have I have my feed. It's full. I mean, um, it's not shortened at all, so it shows every, pretty much every show. I think. I got to double check. Um, the reason I do that is because I had enough people – ask me how can i get these earlier shows mm-hmm. and i said i said you just get it off the website but i kept getting the questions so i just said ah, screw it and i just put the whole all a huge long feed all the shows are available on the feed some people like james said it might suck because they'll go and it'll pull down all the files <laughs> but uh, i haven't got any complaints about that so i got less no emails asking where all the shows were and no complaints that it's grabbing all the, f- the files so it worked it works out for me that way. Yeah, I do the same thing too. And when James is talking about the the feeds getting longer, you're still only talking hundreds of k. You're not talking, you know, uh, fifty megs of an XML file. I don't know unless FeedBurner adds that much stuff to it. But in in my case, you know, I've got uh, the the longest running show we have right now is about a hundred and six or so uh, episodes in it, and it's less than half a meg. So it's not it's not giant. And and but you know, if it's being downloaded by fifty thousand people a week, then I could see how that would be you know something to be concerned about. These are the problems we would like to have. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I think that it, like, there might be a setting somewhere in somebody's podcatcher to cat to download all the shows that they haven't 
viewed or listened to. So if that means there's 300 shows in your feed, it's going to try to pull all 300 down. So that could hurt your bandwidth a little bit. But like, like I said, I, my site hasn't been shut down, so I guess it hasn't hurt that much. All right, and I had in the notes here to talk about bandwidth, but we sort of talked about that along the way. Do we have any other comments about bandwidth along the way? No, just start out with shared hosting and um, see how far it gets you. You could always upgrade later. Keep your costs down. That's what I say. All right. Uh, any other last thoughts before we wrap this thing up, guys? Any uh, thing I left out or, or that uh, you thought of along the way? Uh, one thing real quick on bandwidth. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, we probably talked about this in an earlier show, but uh, it, it would be a good idea to compress your files and keep them small and smaller and manageable and not not so much that you lose tons of quality, but find a nice happy medium for your file sizes. So it, it will help your bandwidth, you know, up your download costs and your upload costs. Absolutely. And your storage cost. Yeah. James, That's any comments there? Uh, one of the things we keep talking about, we've said it a few times, is is keep looking at how you're doing things. We've talked about one-channel audio and two-channel audio before and compression mechanisms. And we talked a little bit a, a couple of weeks ago about optimizing your MP3 files and your video files. Here's a perfect example why. For bandwidth? For bandwidth. Yeah, definitely. That's why I do it. Just don't compress your file so much that you show sounds like crap you have to keep, find that nice happy right. medium where it's it's small enough but it still sounds good but you certainly don't want to post a you know a full uncompressed wave up there of everything right that's right <laughs> right exactly uh you know generally 128 bit or 64 bits um are the two that you see you know i don't think i've ever seen a 320 kilobit uh uh mp3 up there or a full flack no. or something like that no but like I said before, just be careful. If you if you set your compression to 64 bits and it's in stereo, it's going to pick 32 on the left and 32 on the right. Show's going to sound like crap. So make sure you're checking for mono and stereo yeah. when you're doing your compression. And subscribe to your own feed so that you see problems. You know, if anything comes up, you'll know it. I, you know, I don't listen to all my shows, but they're all in my feed reader. So I know that, you know, Thursday morning when I get up, I expect to see this show there. And if it's not, I know that I've got an issue. Good point. And I always listen to at least the first, you know, minute of it just to make sure that those, you know, things, something that, you know, maybe it got corrupted on upload and I didn't know that. You can't know until you've actually listened to it. You just want to hear the music. That's right. Yeah. I, and, you know, but, but I said I only listen to a minute, so that's not long enough to get all the music. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> that's only track one of the cd that i put before each show <laughs> that's hilarious so we'll move on to the uh lessons you learned and or were reminded of this week and i'm going to go first you're only as good as your isp uh, if you're doing this show like we are over Skype and you're trying to broadcast live and you happen to have Time Warner Cable, I'm calling you out, Time Warner Cable. You suck. Um, you're only as good as your ISP. Unfortunately, there's often not anything you could do about it either. We have pretty much uh, monopolies in that area or maybe duopolies at the most. You might only have two providers. And in my case, I have two and they're both terrible. But uh, those are, you know, something you got to deal with in this great big podcasting world. 
I agree. And I'll tell you what, here's how I handle that type of situation. If uh, it seems like there's, there's nothing I can do about it, I, I just get so mad that I get what I want somehow. And I just, I mean, you got to try, you got to at least try. So if, if your ISP screwing you over, get on the phone and raise a stink to the degree that they, they will fix it because they don't want to deal with you. That's, that's, probably what I would do. Here's what I want you to do. I want everybody listening to the show to call Time Warner Cable yes. and tell them that they need to fix the Commerce Texas bandwidth. Even if you don't live there, just do just do it. Hundreds of people descend on the switchboard and say, this needs to be fixed because a podcast I like can't do their job. Fix it. Or there will be trouble. You got to put some kind of... <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna stay away from uh, from encouraging my listeners to to threaten people. Put um, put the phone number on your website, and uh, I'll, I'll call. I'll call tonight, Mark. I'll threaten them even. For that's, you. that's not a bad idea. That would, <laughs> then I'd be one of those guys. One of those. Yeah, no, yeah. Don't do anything illegal. Don't get like arrested for assault. But <laughs> make let them know that you're not happy and you're prepared to do something about it if they don't fix it. All right. So, Steve, what was the lesson you learned this week? Well, like I said before, Mark, I don't learn many lessons these days. I like to just give tips. <laughs> and um, I kind of learned a little bit of a lesson this time. Um, when, you, when you guys are like excited about your podcast and you go around and you're like, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna, I want to tell people all this, this cool thing I'm going to do. Be prepared when you tell somebody your idea that they will either A, not know what the hell you're talking about because <laughs> they don't know what a podcast is and probably just you'll feel a little discouraged there. B, tell you it's not a good idea or not going to work. C, they might actually say, great, good job, go for it. But if it's A or B, don't be discouraged. It's, it's a very dangerous thing to tell people your ideas because they're not you. They didn't sit around for a month thinking up all the intricacies and all the little ways it's going to work and how you have it all planned out in your head. All they know is what you just told them. And they're probably going to start thinking of all the ways it's not going to work in their mind. And probably half the people you tell are going to tell you those why your idea is not going to work. So um, when, when you are excited about your podcast or anything, be careful about telling your ideas and be be prepared and willing to experience the response and not let it discourage you is what I'm saying. Do not let it discourage you. I, I rarely tell people my ideas these days because um, you don't need to. Just do it and they'll see what you did. You don't, you don't have to get anyone's approval. I, I don't remember who said it, but the quote is, the more revolutionary an idea is, the more obvious it seems afterwards. Yeah, yeah that's a good quote. Right. I'm going to say that you said it, Mark. Sure. Give me credit for it. No, it wasn't mine, but uh, I've got lots of quotes floating around in my head. I just don't always remember who said them. All right, Mr. Messer. Excuse me. I didn't mean to demote you. Professor Messer, <laughs> what have you got for us this week? It's, it's not a demotion. It's, um, it, it's one of these things of the, to, to follow up a little bit on what, what Steve just said. Um, whenever somebody tells me that an idea is a bad idea, that should be your cue to realize you've thought of something nobody else has thought of yet, which yes. is a great place to be. So uh, I love it when people say that's a bad idea or that won't work or go go try something else because there's no way that's going to happen. I, I live on that. I thrive in that environment and, and everyone else should too. 
Um, I've spent my time, as I mentioned, with all these hard drives lined up, these two and three terabyte hard drives that I use as backups and put everything on because some of these, the, I've, I've not done a very good job of keeping things organized. I'll back up part of a project onto one and part of a, another project onto it. And then I'll have another drive that I'll purchase where I'll put a whole project on it. Well, now I have two and I'm not updating that one anymore. It, it gets to be a bit of a mess. So uh, I ran into a great little program this week called Synctron, S-Y. N-K-R-O-N, go Google it. It's one that is free and available, works under Windows, under Linux, and under Mac OS X, Ooh. which is something you never see. So uh, it's a great little program. You point it to one folder, then you point it to the other folder, and in a matter of seconds, and I'm talking about, I've got, I have terabytes and terabytes and terabytes of data here. It'll go through... 200 gigs in just a matter of seconds and go through every file and tell you what file is in which folder it's in it, which files are, are in folder one and which files are in folder two and which ones are not available in either folder and then give you the option of do you want to synchronize those together do you just want to take everything in two and shove it over to one and then delete two you got a lot of options here and for cleaning up hard drives especially me that i've got training materials i want to be sure i never delete my last copy of an important edit file because the the final cut files that i use are really small the video files are really big but the program you use to edit and stick everything together that you spent hours working on are really tiny and you don't want to accidentally delete one well now synchron's going to tell me Oh, I'll, I'll make sure I'll make, I'll put a copy in both places. And that way you can decide later if you'd like to delete everything, you know, you've at least got another copy set aside. So if you need to organize your podcasts and your media, that might be a great program to use. This is exactly the tool I was looking for. And that's why I'm so happy that James just brought this up. I was looking at a program called Sync Toy by Microsoft and I couldn't mm -hmm. get it to work on Windows. <laughs> so this is gold, James. This is a great find. You, you can do this at the command line. You can use rsync. You can use a lot of command line copy things. But I needed something graphical that I could scroll through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of files, and, and Synchron does it. It's awesome. Just to correct you, Synchron, no T there. You said Synchron every time. I did. I, I did. So it's Synchron, S-Y-N-K-R-O-N. You can find it at synchrons.sourceforge.net. And by the way, SyncToy is a Microsoft tool that's why it's odd that sync toy doesn't work on windows but and i have used sync toy before it it can work it's slow it's not seconds like uh, james was right. talking about yeah i mean sorry it didn't it just didn't work for me it can't remember what was going on with it but it was all whacked up so yeah it probably does work for other people but I'll, i'm gonna use sync synchron from now on synchron awesome well guys <laughs> i think in spite of all my technical difficulties we managed to pull off a pretty good show uh, if you want to uh, let us know if you thought it was a good show or a bad show or to tell uh, Steve that his ideas are no good, uh, the place that you can do that is over <laughs> at elementop.com. We have a forum there. We have a contact form there. We even have a call us widget, uh, which is inaccurately named because it actually calls you. Uh, but you can leave us a voicemail that we'll play on the air or you can read us, uh, send us an email that we'll read on the air. But uh, let us know what you think uh, about what we're doing. And if you have ideas or questions, that's the place to do that, uh, and we will address them in future shows. So, uh, Mr. Steve, how can people find you if they want to contact you directly? If you want to contact me directly, just go to howtopodcast.biz. That is where I have a video collection for sale on how to podcast. So if you're listening to this show 
I'm just assuming, you know, this is a shot in the dark. I'm assuming you're interested in podcasting and you're going to find some good stuff there. And then you can just email me with the link there. Very good. And Mr. Professor Messer, what about yourself? Find me at professormesser.com for all my free IT training videos. And of course, you can watch our weekly podcast at whataweekpodcast.com. Awesome. Thanks, guys. You brought the goods as always. I uh, expect nothing less from two consummate professionals such as yourself. So uh, we appreciate it. Thank you, uh, live stream, live listeners, for uh, hanging out with us. Uh, And uh, if you want to join us each week, we do this at uh, 10 p.m. Central Time uh, on Sunday nights uh, over at elementop.com slash live. And you can watch and listen to the show and find out all the stuff that doesn't make it into the final edit. And so for now, I will simply say that this ends this episode of The Art of Podcasting.